Hi, this is Jay Todd Anderson, and you are listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. It just must be another edition of Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WISO. I'm Nikki Dakota, your host, joined via the phone lines from far away and yet not so far, Culpeper, Virginia, as a part of the Nitrate Film Archive arm of the Library of Congress. In fact, our man at the Library of Congress, we call him smart and friend, George Willeman. Welcome. Did you know that they play that song at the opening of Congress every morning now? <laughs> also, live in the studio. I can't wait person. for a good pie fight to break out at <laughs> that point. Before they hand out the pies. And, and... <laughs> I'd love to see Hillary wearing you know, coconut cream someday. <laughs> in the studio with us right here, storyboard artist to all the big stars, worked with the Coen brothers since raised in Arizona, so that's 20-plus years, and also is the undefeated pie fight champion. We call him <laughs> J. Todd Anderson. J. Todd, welcome. It's always my pleasure, Nikki Dakota. <laughs> You know, um, you know. Let's go ahead and say this movie, if we can call it a movie. It's like it is a it's movie. Like the shortest. It's just like this it's little a short. thing. It's just. Oh, I have so many thoughts on this, but let's just let's give a little background. What's the What's the year on this, uh, George? Nineteen thirty-four. It's nineteen thirty, and this is the the one and the only the three. Stooges. What do you mean one and oh oh, oh I'm sorry right right although they made like four thousand of act. these right but no, this is an them no it? there's many people who have tried but this is uh, when they just broke onto the scene at Columbia Pictures in the 30s in their short uh, short film department uh, working for Harry Cohn who has his name on the front of every one of these movies Harry Cohn's name's on there. Uh, executive producer I think uh-huh. um, and this is uh, George and I are just one of our favorite acting performers of all time, Jerome Horowitz, otherwise known as Curly. Ah, uh, yeah. So the, the the three sort of classic, when you think of, because Shemp came and went, but these are like Shemp the was three. one of the original ones. It's just, you know, when we did, the, previously last year we did um, uh, Ache and Every Steak, which is an absolute perfect Perfect Stooge film. For which we still get um, positive, wonderful oh, yeah. email. People loved it. For that little segment that you did, by the way, George, of just, just the sounds, sounds of Curly. It's still on our website. You can go there and hook up to Sounds of Curly. It's absolutely, people play it on their uh, answering machines and stuff like right, that. Right, there really, for really you really at perfectmovie.net. So we're talking about this 1934 short, of course, in black and, and white. And the title Stooges of movie. this short is Men in Black. Hey, and that's the truth. It's not the movie that Barry Sonnenfeld directed years ago, and I storyboarded some, most of that movie, uh, of Men, Men in Black, Black which was a great, Men in Black, yeah. fantastic movie. But people didn't. Even, I remember talking to Barry one day, saying, "Oh, this is you're stealing the Three Stooges name." He goes, "Oh, not." He I didn't said, even oh, yes. know. He didn't know. Uh, Barry Isn't there didn't... a registry where you have to go and make sure you don't double? I you can't title. copyright a title on a no, movie. You can't copyright. A title. Ah, but even that's what fascinated me, and this. Is one one of the reasons it's one of what we consider a stooge perfect movie is because 
they were nominated for an Academy Award. Which yeah, is just that's short of 1933, 34. The boggles the mind. Uh, mind boggles anyway. your mind, lady. Honestly. Okay, so before. Hey, hey, it doesn't boggle our minds. Our minds are not boggled by the Three Stooges. Boggled, You're boggled by the Three Stooges. Before no, no, we... the thing boggles the mind, remember? The mind boggles. Right. And what's that movie you want us to see? What's it called, Nikki? Um, Up with love? Is um, that what it down is? Down with love. Down or, with or, love. Or love, actually. Either one of those. But you guys are that, too hard-hearted that, that you won't even. I'm, just not, I'm not hard-hearted. <laughs> that just boggles my mind. That's all. Before we head too much further down this bizarre path, let's remind all of us that... Why uh, her that mind is boggled! Very, very stringent rules, which have been played fast and loose with in this particular <laughs> term. And gentlemen, those rules are... Hey, you know, this men in black... Uh, it creates the world existing, man. It does. Well, and it didn't... totally sustains that world. And regardless of changes in society, the Three Stooges retain their meaning and entertainment value in Men in Black. They are never placed in any kind of preferential numerical order. This film, as well as all the others on our list, are perfect by their own scale. I must, at this point, invoke rule number five, which ah. is if Nikki doesn't like it, well, that tripwire, we just tripped over that projector uh, cord, and it just went... <laughs> <laughs> Rule number six. <laughs> so we find there ourselves have it. gathered together to talk about a Three Sturges movie from 1934 called Men in Black that... Um, George, yeah, just go ahead. Try in the next <laughs> half an hour to, to, put a, to put a little summation Remember, George, the movie, on The movie's 20 activity. minutes long, okay? <laughs> And the submission may not be longer than the movie. Itself. And remember, okay. folks, the show here is 30 minutes long, and the movie that we're discussing is 20 minutes long. So, Well, okay, in a nutshell, in Men in Black, the three stooges work in a hospital. Oh, right there. Oh, sure. That's yeah. That's <laughs> and that hospital happens to be the headquarters of Scientology. In what do you, right. mean, what do you mean by that? that at the beginning, they show a long shot of a, of a big hospital building that was out in Los Angeles, and that building is now the headquarters of the Church of Scientology. Really? Yep. Mm-hmm. It's right in the front. How strangely yeah. poetic. That's. <laughs> At last, she's going to say something good about this movie. <laughs> okay, all right. There's oh, a point man. for it. All right, so so they work in a hospital, and and just in between that and then you know nineteen minutes fifty seconds later, it's the most bizarre cavalcade of completely unrelated incidents that I've ever seen. It all has a medical kind of base to it. Oh, actually, right. Was actually, it? JT and I have a few points that we have. Yes, we do. Here you know, that we'd like to bring up on this film. Would you like to go first? Yeah, that's right. You know, when you're watching Men in Black, think about this. It's a discussion of key concepts in the comparison with the doctrine of modernism while detecting postmodernized the ideas and practices in the concrete and moral ideologies as presented in Men in Black by the Three Stooges. Where is the snore button on this? We've got to... <laughs> well, no, I mean, uh, early 20th century modernism uh, took That's 40 right. years to unfold and settle firmly within our society. And with, we're your, with your tongue in your cheek. early stages <laughs> a defining postmodernist concept. What is clear is that the Three Stooges epitomize a fundamental notion within societal change, and that is that thinking out of step leads to clashes both within society and within the smaller social community. This is true. This is this could actually be classified as post postmodernism. Really? Not to be com- not to be confused with middle middle upper upper middle management, which they are doctors in this movie now. 
Okay. How long did you guys spend? Well, I, I think the, the whole thing could be summed up in four words. For yeah. duty and, and humanity. humanity. Yes. Yeah. And let, let's look into that. And, and, and ultimately, the Stooges pounce into the hallway and grab an assortment of vehicles. May, one time, they go into this very much like Superman, and they chain, they ride a horse out, and they go and operate on somebody, and right, they ride little cars. Yeah, little cars. And then they have a bicycle for three, and they uh, calling Dr. Fine, Dr. Kerr, uh, uh, Dr. Howard, Dr. 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 Fine. Fine. The Howard. one thing that I kept... Uh, expecting them to do which they never did with that Howard Dr. Fine Dr. Howard which I thought was I kept waiting because I thought that would have been an actually funny joke would have been like Dr. Howard you fine Howard you right <laughs> never even went there the, the, the actually something funny well actually what we really need to think about is their battle cry for duty and humanity <laughs> Because um, opening within the walls of the large deco set designed as a hospital, Dr. Graves declares that the three new doctors, Dr. Graves is the chief physician, he, de he declares that the three of the new doctors will need honor to pledge duty and humanity. Now, Dr. Howard, Dr. Fine, and Dr. Howard <laughs> set about to answer the call. Whether riding a bike, a horse, directing wheelchair traffic, all roads lead to dissonance and cacophonic interpretation of proper hospital procedures. You guys are serious. Tell them about the hammer, George. <laughs> well, it's, the whole thing is a hammer to the head, which defies the contemporary fascination with technology of the film's era. And this was, this was what was happening at the time. This was sound films. This is 1934 in the Depression. And as we alluded to previously, post-pose modern-modernism. <laughs> okay. Yes. Now, um, I, I'm kind of curious, George, what do the Stooges curious, represent uh, in, in, in this kind of atmosphere? And, of course, rule number one, the world that they create in. What do you think there, George? Well, the three Stooges, or as they're better known in Europe as the Stooges les trois, <laughs> uh, represent the enlightened comic artists passing their message on to the unenlightened modernists. These artists are sending a message about elevating the senses and knowledge. Art lifts up the spirit of man. Hear, hear, for duty and humanity. That's right. Dr. Fine, Dr. Howard, Dr. Howard. I'm fine. Dr. Howard, Howard, Dr. Howard, Dr. Fine, Dr. Howard. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, gentlemen. I, I know. Think, your mind is boggled even you're... further now. <laughs> well, and you realize... This I mean, is a very as, important movie as, for as our film society. Progresses, it's very much like Zeno's paradox. They, they, they keep running oh, out, no. getting into a vehicle going to the office, and then coming back, and they have to go back, and they have to come back, and they never are able to accomplish what they start out to do. Which is very much like our society and what we're going through with this current administration. <laughs> this is 1934. They were so far ahead of their time. Some of the uh, key postmodernist terms that are applicable in this movie and Men in Black, one is neo-historism. Huh. What do you got there, George? Huh. Uh, also the, the term of double-coding, highs and lows. We see both the... The uh, the uh, at one point uh, they ask how about the patients are how they found the patients and Mo says under a bed and Larry says up <laughs> on a chandelier you know so there you have the the double uh, coding the high and low and the imitation pastiche is where they're operating on the man with power tools yeah. and and air hammers and. <laughs> Where is Alan Funt? This, this and the <laughs> there is the obvious, the most obvious premise. Isn't that right, George? What, what could that possibly be in this? What, the theatricality? Is yes! I, I didn't see I can't that believe I sat there and I looked at Nikki very, for five seconds and she just looked at me. 
Except for possibly the male dwarf masquerading as a female dwarf. Yes, in bed, in bed. As you say after every Chinese fortune cookie, right, yeah, in, bed. in bed. Right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and there is also, also let us not overlook the sublime allegory personifying a mood. That's right. What could possibly, what could that possibly be in this movie, George? For those of you who have not seen Men in Black, um, could it be where they're all running down the hallway? Or my favorite personifying a mood is the classic run through the cement where there's no cement and they just keep slamming the door and the glass breaks. <laughs> well, I also think it would be the part where uh, they're. Um talking to the woman in the wheelchair, and her uh, temperature data turns into uh, stock reports. Yes. yes. Anaconda, one, you know, 21 Anaconda, Anaconda. Okay. I think, I, think, I think you gentlemen have thought about this just a little bit too long, just a little bit. We're still able to laugh. <laughs> We're talking about Men in Black, not the blockbuster uh, that uh, J. Todd Anderson worked on the storyboards for. However, the 1934 black and white, according to the film guys, Stooges classic. Uh, it is Men black, black and white. It is black and white. <laughs> <laughs> It's a gorgeous-looking black and white, and I think that film was restored by our man at the Library of Congress and his, uh, his buddies over there, right? Is that there, right? right? Yes, we did. And we actually, we still hold the original negative on Men in Black. The, the Stooges Men in Black, excuse me, I should say. Right. Well, I always feel sort of special, actually, when I find out those little things, even though it has no connection, but it's sort of like, like hey, hey, we helped. Well, all right, um, so... I don't even know what to make of of this analysis. Well, you just have to keep watching this movie until you get it, Nikki. <laughs> Believe me. Listen, I watched it three times. And I've watched it before because you you were kind enough to uh, lend me uh, sort of like a package that you had the last time we reviewed a, a Stooges movie. And so I ran across it. So I had seen it before. And I watched it again in preparation for this show. And, and I thought, I am... I am missing it. I'm just not getting it. I watched it twice. I watched it three times, and I am missing something. Wait, it's that Y chromosome. That's what you're missing. <laughs> it's a chromosome that makes, you know, poking someone in the eye and then slapping them on the forehead very funny. <laughs> so, based on here, I need to point out that my very small children uh, wandered up and were completely delighted by this film. And they're I hitting mean, each other with mallets now? Playing been, doctor? Well, no, actually, no. Oh, okay. They didn't translate that part, but... um. But Isn't it great that you get to go to work and have two full-grown people who act just like <laughs> who are amused by the same thing? So I don't get it. I don't know. I like to think of myself as a person with a sense of humor. I, I like to look for opportunities to laugh. Okay, well, let's just think about what you just said there. I like to think of myself as a person with a sense of humor. How developed is that sense of humor? Obviously, good. And, and we just gave you... Like a very convincing <laughs> dissertation on why the Stooges have so much meaning on rule number three and rule number two and rule number one. And you can't even give rule. You cannot grant rule one number one. They do no, not why? create Wait the Wait a world. minute here. No way. No hey, way. hold on there. George, did you hear what she just no said way. to us? Oh, yes, I did. No way. <sighs> no way. Oh, you're rallying me up I'm now. <laughs> I don't know how you can call... Uh, frolicking about in hospital hallways, running into people in bedpans and, and little cars. And horses. And horses, not creating the world it exists in. Well, I, could, well I, I could see this. Now, in this film, 
it's, it's interesting because, yes, the, the hospital is portrayed very realistically, and I have no doubt that it, if you looked at the Columbia production schedule for 33, 34, there's probably a couple of hospital dramas in there somewhere. And you also notice the walls are all marked up because they did so many different takes <laughs> in there. <laughs> but, but, you know, the whole thing is, you know, you see Dr. Graves at the beginning, who, by the way, the, the actor who plays Dr. Graves is this actor named Del Henderson, who had been in movies since the teens. He worked with D.W. Griffith. He directed features in the 20s. And now he's sort of in his, you know, in his retirement years, just taking it easy. So he lends a sort of, especially for audiences of the time, lends a sort of serious. Oh, he's great. Yeah. Oh, to does this, he now? To that. I mean, and, and then, you know, he show, he's talking to all the young doctors, <laughs> and they're all very, you know, they're all very handsome, and they're like something. And here come these three goofs, you know, these three doctors carrying mallets. Which are now, the uh, which are the yeah, the lanterns and torches of postmodern right for the future? <laughs> oh, How many times have you seen people <laughs> oh, get hit on and the then, world? And America's funniest disturbing dude. in that the whole hospital, those three doctors are the only ones who are getting calls on the call board. Yes, constantly on the big board. Right, big which board. is I guess uh, it must have been a, a, a burgeoning technology for the time in 1934 the intercom with the lights and the mm-hmm. Now you the say you say to yourself, you silly film guys, is how it... dare you laugh at somebody being maimed, <laughs> mutilated and harmed with implements of destruction? Well, let me tell you something. How many times have you been to a movie theater lately and seen a preview where somebody gets it in the groin and everybody <laughs>, laughs? Well, or America's Funniest videos. Somebody's always getting hurt. Mm, yeah, and yeah. you say that we're rubes because th- we're, we 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 uh, insist on a, a like a, a completely objective angle on postmodern, post postmodern, modern. On uh, I think it's film school that ruined you. I think it was the actual knowledge. <laughs> we don't blame our film school. <laughs> we blame our parents. No, I'm blame, only kidding, mom. We blame sorry. we Just blame kidding. a show called Clubhouse 22. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that is. And that so. was a show was on Channel 22 in Dayton. Got on, come on at three o'clock in the afternoon. We got ah. home from school, and they would run Stooges and Stooges and Stooges. Stooges. You know, and they did that um, at a place I used to live in Kentucky as well. And you know what? It's kind of sad that that doesn't exist anymore. I guess it was like cheap filler. Well, but it, was it was an really it was fun. an exactly uh, every film is under if not 20 minutes, and it fits into an hour. Right. And they can really burn those things on an afternoon, and we were all there to watch. So let's talk about this marvel that this um, this uh, collection of of, of, uh, of images was nominated for an Academy Award. What? Yeah. There was nothing like it. There was absolutely nothing like it at the time. These three guys, and, you know, you can say it's shtick or whatever, but there's a lot of natural talent there, and I cannot sit there and, not, and watch Jerome Horowitz curly and not start laughing. The guy was such a natural. Absolutely. He, he had a John Belushi kind of life. He burned out in like 10 years because he was so full of energy. Uh, but that guy is nothing but an, a, a phenomenon when he's on the screen. Right, George? Don't you oh, think? yeah. I mean, he's very he's a very funny person. He's, he's a, a funny person who does things in a funny way. And again, if you can just sort of block out the rest of the film and just at some point just watch him, watch his reactions, his hand motions and stuff like that, he's really, really quite He's got this unbelievable timing that's just so spot on when you watch the guy. There's no way. I know people that struggle their whole theatrical careers to just accomplish what he does in five minutes. He's so good. Okay, but he wasn't nominated for any singling him out. It was for the short, right? I mean, it was not for the to short, diminish yeah. his... Oh, those guys are great. I mean, we're not diminishing the other two, um, Larry Fine and um, uh, Moe. Uh, those guys 
were, were just great. But we just think that his career was so short and it just burned so bright. Because um, after that, we really have a hard time watching the Stooges shorts without uh, Curly in them. You know, Shemp's kind of funny. And then the rest, they started redoing them. And uh, just to see, they were such a hit at Columbia. And they made well, five, almost six of these shorts a year, wasn't it, George? I mean, yeah, some, maybe more than that. Even I know they did a total of about 190. They, they, these guys were wow. killers. They were, yeah. they were. How far working long all the time was this one? How far into this them? was? I believe their third one. Well, this is when third they were one ever. Yeah, this third is, one ever okay, now of that's their interesting. series. They, they were a sensation. Films, but this was the third of the third of their Columbia series. This was they were a sensation. I mean, they could take the absolute sublime and take it over the top three or four times. Right, and I think at the time, I mean, seeing you know from from <laughs> retrospect, from from hindsight, you know, we see them. She's shaking her head now. But but looking in in 1934 <laughs> when this film came out, they were new on the scene. You know that people had not seen. A type of comedy, at least in the yeah, sound you know, era. When I said nothing like this before, I'm sure I'm going to get letters because of Buster Keaton and all those guys. They all had their own kind of smooth kind of thing, and they all used the same gags, but the Stooges went at it like a like machine gun fire. I mean, they just – anything was fair game for them. They took the corniest piece of shtick, and it's all in Men in Black. Trust me, all that. Maybe if I slowed it down, like <laughs> – Watch it more slowly. I've slowed it down because I, I like to watch where they start sticking their fingers in the eyes. And Moe's really good. He lands just on top of his eyebrows almost every time, you know. <laughs> Those no guys, actual they were, stooges were harmed in the making they of They were incredibly professional uh, physical comedians. We are talking about the Academy Award nominated Three Stooges short from 1934 called Men in Black. And... Um, I, I'm just absolutely staggered by <laughs> the fact that this is a perfect movie. But by the same token, listen, I recognize that a lot of people like this. I mean, a lot of people are big Stooges fans. You are such a minority. <laughs> Am I? Am well, I? <laughs> they're mostly men. We know that. Yeah. And the thing that's interesting men and is small it, children. <laughs> I mean, in 1934, there were many, many comedy, two real comedy series. I mean, we had you know, Laurel and Hardy were out there. And our gang, and and the Stooges, and then Columbia had several other series, and Charlie Chase was doing two reelers. So there's lots of them out there, but if you look at how many of them are still available to us today, yeah. easily or in demand. Yeah, the Stooges are always on the top, and they're in demand. This this new box set is brand new, and yeah. and the the way they've redone this, you boys at the Library of Congress, uh, the way you've done this, uh, it just. The photography is spectacular for 20-minute shorts. Yeah, it's amazing. They're very clean. Well, talk a little bit about that, Jay Todd, this well, photography, you know, because that might be something I could say gonna, was good. You see a lot of push-ins and things like this in the Stooge movies, but basically the Stooges were a contained unit. All you had to do is light those boys, and the inserts were, were generally the gags, you know, of being hit or something like that. Right. But mostly wow. they were self-contained uh, filmmakers. All you had to do is keep up with them camera-wise, which I've noticed sometimes is a little hard to keep focus on those boys because they move around the, the room quite a bit. Uh, but there's no doubt, my, most of those people that came out of those Stooges pictures, the cameraman and everything, one guy, his name is Del Lord, and he directed a, a whole Hundreds bunch of, of them. them yeah. And there was a couple really famous cinematographers, I can't remember them right now, that came out of the Stooges factory of making shorts because uh, what they put together was pretty tremendous for 20 minutes. It, right. it never stopped. You couldn't have ever watched them for a whole hour, an hour and a half. I think you would just be worn out. Uh, but they were perfectly developed 
for their little 20-minute deal. They were... well, and, and I was really surprised talking about camera work. I happened to be watching a different one today, and there actually was a shot where they racked focus from Curly to a poster on the wall. And this is like unheard of in, I mean, it was almost unheard of in features at this time, but for a short, to take the time to do a rack focus. Explain what that is. A rack focus, basically, let's say Curly's in the foreground, and they've just gotten schnookered into joining the Army, and he looks back to the wall where there's a poster that says U.S. Army, and the focus changes from Curly. Curly goes out of focus, and the poster way in the back comes into focus. Why does, it, why does the word rack associated with that? Uh, because of a device that was on the cameras at that time. There was a rack device. They couldn't look through the camera to see what they were shooting. So they had a, a, a device that would rack the lens over to the side so that they could sight the shot and line it up, and then they would rack it back in front of the camera to shoot the film. So uh, the cameraman or his assistant would put marks on the lens starting from one focal length to where Curly is standing, and then they'd have the second mark to where the poster was, and at, at the cameraman's command, basically, he would rack the lens around. Turn Keep it. in mind, the difficulty comes because they can't look through the camera while they're rolling. Right. Know, they couldn't look through back then. Oh. They could not look through the lens like you can now. Right. The shot, normally, you would expect them to rack back to Curly for a reaction, but they don't. He stays slightly out of focus because... You know, like I said, it was a hard shot to do. Their, their comedy was so split second that it challenged all the technicians to keep up with them, very much like the Marx Brothers. And you hear that, you know, that stuff, as we said many times on the show, lightning in a bottle. you got to catch it and photograph it, you know, because you don't get it the second time around. And uh, they were quite the athletes, the Stooges were, in trying, you know, trying to keep up with them technically. They were, uh, once you got it, you know, you Plus, you know, they were on budgets and time constraints because they were 20-minute guys. You know, they were short. Right. short. Plus, Harry Cohn was very, very tight-fisted with a buck. Yeah, so they, was, they didn't Harry have a lot Cohn of was the head of Columbia Pictures at the time. A lot of people say, oh, you know, Frank Capra helped build Columbia. Well, the Stooges had a lot to do with the brick and mortar went up to Columbia Pictures, which is still on the corner of Melrose and uh, – um, Gower. Yeah, Mel- the, the studios are still there. But the it's shop not that anymore. Stooge built. All they right, Stooges so built it. If you, if you grant rule one. We have to grant rule one uh, because we made up the list. Okay, you know what? The truth <laughs> is- <laughs> it's our rules. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, you know, if you do, then, then rule two about sustaining it. Well, yeah. If you have something that's completely disjointed and unrelated and, uh, you know, just a series of... Um, well, uh, I don't know. Uh, bits. Um, yeah, uh, they, they created that, and certainly it's, it's I'm sorry, sustained. I wasn't paying attention. What did you say? <laughs> did you doze off there? You, something shiny passed before your eyes. <laughs> a, lot of the, I mean, a, lot of a lot of the stuff in these early shorts are reworkings of things from the vaudeville years. Yeah, this is stuff that they had tried out on real live that. audiences. You can actually, yeah, you can I mean, they kind of, like when they're mixing up the, the medicine, and they do that kind of weird anaconapana. Anaconapana. And, and, and more of my see, they, they start fitting in more Yiddish words, too. Ah. Uh, one I saw today, uh, Curly has this big woman sit down, he tells her plots, which is, which is Jewish for chicken fat, you know, so. Uh, All right. Well, okay. <laughs> 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 that there was actually more cynical than, it, than I intended it to be. Um, all right. So, um, all told, if, 
here's how I feel about these rules. I think we're actually solid on three because I'm people ducking still right now. I'm ducking. love this. People <laughs> still love this. Rule two is shaky only if you're willing to grant one. And and I'm I'm just uh, I'm I'm really they sustain really that rule right to the very end. They shoot the little they do, but calling Doctor Howard, Doctor Fine. They shoot it with a gun. They weren't afraid to use firearms in comedy back then. Nobody really got hurt. Uh, we've um, been talking about the. I, I'm just gonna call it amazing. Well, you know film. I think I, you know I think Nikki has. As a famous film theorist, Andre Bazan, said so many years ago, bite me. (laughs) (laughs) Look out, because once invited. Okay, here we go. (laughs) Well, we are thinking about a a, a not-too-difficult and yet uh, bound to be bizarre, given the context trivia question that George will answer. Uh, We will remind you that uh, you can always contact the Film Guys at filmguysatperfectmovie.net. Stop by the WYSO website at wyso.org, npr.org. You can find versions of this show and our back catalog also at iTunes. And hey, spread the word, ask a friend, and uh, we'll meet you back here next time. Meanwhile, contact the Film Guys. You'll be glad you did. Filmguys at perfectmovie.net. J. Todd Anderson, what a pleasure, and thank you for being here today. It is always my pleasure. George Williman via the phone line. Keep up the good work in that Nitrate Film Archive edition, and thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we'll see you soon. (laughs) Thank you for listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. Please keep an ear out for new episodes of Filmically Perfect, coming very soon to iTunes and hosted on our website, www.perfectmovie.net See you, please?